it changed to some degree how some people in the building look at him. And now I think it's only heightened sort of the the pressure on him, the eyeballs on him to like this. You got to get it right, and you got to get it right fast. You got to show us that that was just a one-time thing. That you looked at the film going into that game and thought to yourself, "There's no way in hell we're going to be able to block these guys." And I know my guys aren't going to get open. And then you started to press, and it just went it went sideways. And it, it every every once in a while it happens for a quarterback, although generally not in year three. Um, but okay, get over it and play a clean, smart, safe-ish, safe-ish football game. Patsy Deference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. So if Ebenezer Scrooge covered an NFL team and you heard from him year-round, he would be with us right now on the Pats Interference Podcast on Giardi of the Boston Sports Journal. Fair. Good friend. I tell him every time I appreciate his time. He's one of the fan favorites when he's not... <clears throat> blowing up the Patriots wide receiver core. Uh, we've moved on from that. He might be right, but we're not here for any of that here in the latest episode of Pat's Interference brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What are we here for, Mike? We're here for a test about your program right now, Andrew. It's, I think, for, for years and years and years, everybody believed in the program and the results were there. But since Tom Brady left and you have to connect the two, um, they are a middling franchise, sub 500, uh, we're going on four years now, um, and you're sort of at a crossroads. I think this is one of those games that you better win, because if you don't, uh, Foxborough is going to be burning on Monday morning. Woo! So that is a great TV tease, and it's a great TV tease because you nailed the dismount. Okay, Foxborough is burning. That's the clip. You put it in 30 seconds because, you know, we always start with spit it out. I mean, 30 seconds. What is this game about? We're going to get on to the week that was when the Patriots have the ball, when the Saints have the ball, 3-2-1 breakdown and get out of here with a game pick. But I'm with you, and I, I am surprised that I'm here about this as a must-win game because I am, uh, I don't know if you're old school or a traditionalist, but must-win game to me means you have 0.0% chance to make the playoffs at the end. And we're in week five, and this seems preposterous. And yet, as I check in with some people within the building, I get a lot of, we just need to win. We just need to win, need being the operative word. And so I've come around, maybe just sinking into all of the despair uh, of this week, which I think really includes Matt Judah and Christian Gonzalez basically being out for the year, to say this is a must-win game. And here are the numbers, because this is the best case of all of it. 2.9% of teams in NFL history that have started one and four have made the playoffs. That's 15 out of 514. Of those 15, 12 won a crappy division. So like snuck in at seven and nine, flexed at eight and eight, we're in the playoffs, look at us. Uh, that's not going to happen here in the AFC East. And I get there's an extra wild card spot, double the odds, triple the odds, 6%, just shy of 10% is not good enough. And so I'm with you. This is a must win game for the Patriots. Yeah, um, I keep coming back to it too. It's like uh, the line from Miracle. Uh, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. There's so many different things that have to go right for this football team to find success. Um, and, you know, we, the first two games were, oh, they were close. They had the ball late in the game. Yeah, but when you start to look at it, you're like, it wasn't that close. And, yeah, yeah, I, I know what it looked like at the end, but talk to me about the first three quarters or, or how this game played out. So I just um, – it, it's it's very difficult right now, and and you're seeing that. And I, and I fully expect it to be pretty difficult on Sunday as well. All right. Well, the folks – 
at home know this. They've heard this. They've lived through it. They're here to talk about Sunday. And so are we. So let's get to that in a minute <laughs> because I want to talk about the week that was. But we'll do something positive. But we're gonna yeah. we're gonna kind of you know give you some candy here at the front end before we get to the main course. Uh, feed you your vegetables. JC Jackson. Welcome back, JC. This has been one of the shortest 18, 19 months I think I can remember because this is a guy I remember talking to all the time, including when he blew up new teammate Juju Smith-Schuster ahead of the 2019 season opener. And we're like, oh, what's it? I think you were part of this. Yes, I was. (laughs) It feel like to be going against one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he goes, you really think that? (laughs) <laughs> he did the classic JC thing. If he would yeah. you know, start small because he's cautious against the media, would physically open up like a peacock when he would get more confident and say things. And then his arms would be out leaning on the wall over your shoulder, whatever it was. So JC is entertaining, not only just in the locker room to a half dozen people like you and I, he's entertaining on the field. This is a guy who inhaled interceptions like Kirby from the Mario Luigi universe. Are you still with me? Yeah, I guess. I might have just crossed the video game world there. Apologies (laughs) to everyone who knows much better than I. But you get the point. Led the league in interceptions 2018 to 2022. What do you expect from J.C. Jackson on Sunday and beyond? Uh, So in doing my digging after they made the trade, um, obviously a lot of dissatisfaction with his play in L.A. Uh, And one of the things that was broached to me was that he was on his own program. Uh, and while they were psyched that he was able to come back from the injury as fast as he did, I don't think they expect him to be ready for training camp. And he was that he did not take the coaching too well. And uh, it was, he was a difficult personality to handle in the locker room. He, he says, you know, as he was a healthy scratch for week three uh, and then was back in the lineup for week four, but didn't t- play any snaps that he's not, He's not totally healthy. And that would actually track, right? Just based on what we know about the patella injury, like it's a little while. But for this team, where they are right now, after Gonzalez goes down and you're rolling out Sean Wade and Miles Bryant as your outside corners, um, they need him to play. <laughs> and and again, it, whether he's 100% or not, he's probably still an upgrade over what you had on the outside with – with what you're rolling out in the second half against the Cowboys. So I, I expect them to be in the lineup. I, I, Man. I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think the learning curve to go play that position is all that difficult. I think he's, I think he'll be in there. I like it. I, I would like to see this. I'm also someone who said this week, I don't expect him to be hundred percent, not only just because uh, he said it himself and maybe that was excuse making. I don't know. Like JC could be a guy that looks around and goes, I'm still this corner. Why isn't the case? Well, it's my body's fault. Like I just, I haven't able to do it. That's why I haven't done it. Not because of a lack of work, or as you said, not taking the coaching or just flatly not performing. It's my knee's fault. I then heard Lawrence guy um, say he was looking forward to having JC Jackson before practice. And after practice, we hear from Jabril Peppers, uh, who wasn't a teammate with him in new England, but said he didn't miss a beat. So I don't know what to make of JC Jackson on Sunday, but I'm with you. And the case for J.C. Jackson getting back to being the player that we last saw is actually an easy one. Like, forget how bad the contract was. Forget that the Chargers paid nine whatever million dollars on his way out the door for him just to keep walking all the way to New England. It's that he's only played seven games out there. And so we go to the small sample part, throw in the injury, the new system, yada, yada. Like, that's enough to dismiss in the face of four years where he played more man coverage here. He largely had his head on straight, took the coaching, and was one of the best corners in the league. Is that too optimistic? 
I mean, again, if, if so, if he's really not fully healthy, doesn't matter. You're not going to get that same level of play. But yeah, I think all the other parts sort of jibe. And and look, this is now <laughs> they love this, right? I think a lot of NFL franchises love this. He has no guaranteed money after this year. So the Chargers told you what they think of you by giving you away and paying all your money. And now, you know, the Patriots are only on the hook for 1.5 million. It's like there's another contract to be earned because the, I, I'd say he's easily cuttable at the end of the season. So go play, go show out for somebody. There's, there is more pressure on him to do that. And I think, look, we, we saw it the last time around. He, he, he performed pretty well when he was chasing the dollars and he's back to chasing the dollars again. Uh, you use the phrase giving away and probably it's because I have a wedding this Sunday the next weekend and the weekend after that. But I just imagine if we, if we pictured every NFL transaction of one head coach or GM passing off a player walking down the aisle to his next team is Bram Staley running. Is he dragging him there? Cause he's certainly dropping JC off the altar with bill and hightailing it back. Not looking back, obviously dropping what would be a dowry, like a big bag of cash at the yeah. altar, and then leaving. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, I, he's a player they needed. And, and it made all the sense in the world to target him. And then when they got him in the building, they were like, what is, what, what did yeah. we sign up for? And I'll, I'll say this too, in, in sort of a, a, can you get him back to where he was? Why you should feel because the Patriots coach defense better than Brandon Staley and the chargers do Staley's a defensive coach who can't fix his defense. The, the Patriots for all their issues uh, and look against good quarterbacks. We know that the numbers haven't been great the last year and a half. But generally, they do a pretty good job coaching defense, and JC should be able to, to at least replicate something close to what he did. Be or at least heck with that, just be competent, right? Like he, he clearly, they felt like he was incompetent in in LA. I think he can be competent here, or be better than Sean Wade and Miles Bryant. Like that, yes. that's your competition right now. Yeah. And I have said many. I, by, by the way, I hate banging on Miles Bryant. I know he's a favorite target of of people. I mean. It's not, he's not an outside corner. I, I just, he's yeah. not an outside corner that should be locked up man to man on CD lamb. Like that, 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 that right there, bad coaching. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't have to say it. You did for me. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> because I'm also in the miles Bryant. Not as bad as you think camp. Uh, I'm not, you know, having any meetings this week to gather with those people when he gives up five catches on five targets right. and the number that also why JC Jackson is here is 142, which is Dak Prescott's passer rating last weekend when he targeted Miles Bryant and Sean Wade. Uh, but the good news is, in addition to J.C. Jackson being here, it sounds like Jonathan Jones will be back, according to Mass Live. Um, saw Mark Daniels get to speak with Jonathan. I would assume that he snap into NFL action this season with the Never Eric's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200. That's two zero zero in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you hear me make these ad reads. And hopefully don't fast forward Get your money and get into the action right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. I hit the under for Patriots Dolphins. I just had the wrong team winning. Uh, and lots more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. $200 in bonus bets with just your first $5 bet. 
must be 21 year older and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800 327 for 24 7 support. Play smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. It'll be okay, which is great. Speaking of this week, and we'll wrap up here. Mac predictably got killed after arguably the worst start of his career. Bill, big picture concerns uh, everywhere, talk radio, TV, Twitter. What did we miss this week amid all the stuff that I just touched upon and we just talked about? I So I actually think the wide receivers are still getting off the hook. Get, are, are like everybody focuses on that and you watch the tape and I'm I sat there and poured over the 22s and, you know, I showed three or four examples on Boston Sports Journal of no one being open in important plays, and I could have easily taken that and times it by four or five. Like, it was that when the game was still in balance, it's starking how many times, stark how many times he drops back, and literally no one's open. Are you going to say it again? I'm not going to say it again. They They, look... No one has said anything to me for a month now about that because what is that? <laughs> that thing, What's the three that? words that I, the three words that I threw out and, but no one said anything. You know why no one said anything? Because they're coming to the reality. It's in front of their eyes that it's not good, that they are a bottom third, perhaps lower than that. As I said, even before I made that statement that drove everybody crazy. Just that's remind us are. one more time. <laughs> that's what they are. And that's what the league thinks of you. And if you, again, if you want to go back, you want disrespect. If people get mad at me for what I said, disrespect is the way the Cowboys played your wide receivers. The Cowboys said, we know you like to throw up top. We know that's part of your game. We're not afraid of it. We're going to squat on all the outside routes and we're going to challenge you to throw it up top. You can't. And they couldn't. And they didn't. And when they did throw to the sideline, bad things happened. So, like, they they told you all you needed to know. I don't have to say it. They told you. Well, you can't say I didn't try. Uh, and you can't say my <laughs> opening description of Scrooge was not perfect. And I look, here's the thing. I, I agree with you. People can sound upset and have a right to be because this is what the football team has done, specific to the receivers. It's very simple get better against man coverage. I think Mac Jones's completion percentage this year against man coverage is below 50%. And I know for a fact that receivers not named Mario Douglas only had three catches against man to man versus Dallas. Well, here's the thing. The New Orleans Saints at two and two are going to play a lot of man coverage because they've got a very good secondary. And let's get into them. The Saints two and two uh, season started 16, 15 win versus Tennessee. They go on the road, beat the Panthers 20 to 17. Another close game at Green Bay. They lead 17 to nothing in the second half, give up 18 unanswered and lose 17 to 18 against the Packers. And then finally, their first non one possession game of the season came last Sunday at home, 26 to nine loss to Tampa Bay. And when you read friend of ours, Nick Underhill, among other New Orleans media, uh, the issue is what the hell's wrong with the offense? It's broken. The defense is carrying its water. And I step back and go, this is the Spider-Man meme Bowl. Yes. Okay. And let's get into those rankings because when the Patriots have the ball, they're broken offense. They're still 19th in DVOA. 
The Saints defense is top 10. It's ninth by DVOA. And let's just flip this around. Jumping ahead, we're not going to talk about the Saints offense. Saints offense is 22nd by DVOA, and the Patriots are eighth. The difference, because the Saints are actually ahead of them in the total team rankings, only by two spots, 18th down to 20th, is the Patriots have the league's worst special teams, according to DVOA, because of all the missed field goals that they've had uh, and some issues covering kicks. So I say Spider-Man meme bowl. It seems simplistic. We talked about the man coverage. Two years ago, uh, it was a similar situation. It wasn't Jameis Winston, or it wasn't Derek Carr. It was Jameis Winston. But Patriots lost to Spider-Man meme bowl. Two years is a long time. What matters from that game that the Patriots lost 28 to 13? And won't, what won't matter uh, this weekend? Yeah, I don't want to step on something I know you're going to talk about, but but I think Dennis Fallon, um, and that was Josh McDaniels, was the OC at the time. So, you know, a, a more than competent offensive coordinator. I think Dennis Allen played games with your your quarterback, played games with your offense, and Jonu Smith was uh, was complicit in some of the things that happened in that game. I believe two interceptions off his hands in that game. But uh, I, I think that's a that's a key for whatever you want to think about Dennis Allen, the head coach, and obviously the way his offense is operating, which again is under his purview as the as the as the guy. Uh, his defense plays plays well. We'll throw a lot of different things at you. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball, and um, they have more talent on their side of the ball defensively than you do offensively. So again, you're you're up against it. You are, and so their top two tacklers, both linebackers, very rangy. Demario Davis, long been one of the most instinctive players in the league. Uh, Pete Warner also up there. Cameron Jordan and defensive line that was really turned over this offseason. Like Jordan's still the same player that we've all seen now and, and Belichick raved about Wednesday, but it's not a high pressure defense. Like this is a solid defense prefer to high structure, but they play a ton of different coverages, a lot of disguise and generally do a better job in the turnover department most years than not. And part of that's because of playing with corners like Marshawn Lattimore and Tyron Matthew at safety. And so that's where my concern lies, not only just from a matchup standpoint, we just covered the numbers for the Patriots receivers versus man coverage and the saints will play that. It's just, if there's a disconnect when they're spinning safeties post-snap between what DeMario Douglas sees and Mac Jones sees, or Mac Jones just misreads it on his own, like that's trouble because this is a very smart, very experienced defense in the same way the Patriots mine an edge by saying, okay, we'll play a lot more defenses and coverages than you could because we have so much continuity. The Saints do the same thing. Like when I say Spider-Man mean bowl, yeah. this is that. So as far as 2021, it was Mac's third start. They confused him. They expected to. They succeeded. That game started punt, 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 blocked punt, interception, field goal. I'm not saying we're getting a repeat because Mac is smarter. He's better. But this offensive line is what it is. And I just, the Dennis Allen part concerns me. Um, but let's flip it over to Bill O'Brien. What can he do to jazz this thing up? Because here are the two teams left that haven't scored 20 points in a game this year. It's the Patriots and it's Saints. So the good news is if you get to 20, you should be fine. Should I just shove a pen right in my oh, eye come right on. now? We gotta get is, that, is that how Sunday is going to go? Do I have to, is, am I sitting through a six to five game? Like it's uh, nine innings of baseball. If you um, want to crash a wedding, I'll save you a seat. It's just a quick <laughs> drive to Connecticut. I'll be there. I'm going to miss the game, unfortunately. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a lovely weekend though. So you could be all right. Um, what can he do? Look, I'd like to see more Mac under center. I'd like to see a little bit more play action. They they continue to rate near the bottom of the league when it comes to that. And I know the run game 
has not been very effective, but as we've talked about over time, while it helps to have a good run game for play action, you can still run play action even if your run game isn't very good. I'd like to see more of that. I think that's McDaniels was at, I believe, 27% uh, play action in Mac's rookie year. I think they're down below f- their 16 or 15% yep. this year, maybe even maybe even lower than that. Depend- Again, there's there's so many different who you believe. I think Next Gen Stats has them at like 12%. Just So that to me is part part of it. I think just vary the looks, get out of shotgun some, although, you know, Mac clearly prefers being in shotgun. Um, It's, I don't know how you do it because they haven't found an answer, but they need to shore up the right tackle. And, And if that means Vidarian's in there again, after arguably the worst, offensive line single-handedly his performance that i've seen maybe ever um whether that's riley reef is in there whether it's still vidarian then then you got to give him help they there's too often they're leaving him out there by himself the actual the, the the strip sack if you go back and look at it against the cowboys vidarian low turned dante fowler into like the dante fowler that most people the reputation speaks for but he's not the player that he is but they had two tight ends on that side. He was lined up Fowler between the two tight ends. And somehow as both those guys released, nobody, neither one of them even gave him a forearm. They just let him go. Guess what? You can't, you can't let anybody go when Vidarian Lowe's on the other side. So Bill's got to be more cognizant of that. And, you know, look, if that means one less guy in the pattern or you're slower to get a guy out, I think you have to do it to protect your quarterback. I agree. Um, I, I think this is a game where, you know, I find myself repeating the same points. Like I would like to see the Patriots, frankly, dump the kitchen sink, throw the kitchen sink at the saints, all the tricks out of the bag. You have nothing to lose. Again, they might not see this as a must win game. And I don't think they do at least publicly. That's what they've told us. Um, but there are signs that they understand the urgency. I mean, Matthew Slater before they played the jets gave a speech after the Friday practice that says, Hey fellas, we, we have a choice. Like this season can get out of hand already at 0-3, or we can win and get our first first game, get get back in the win column. Mm-hmm. And that win bought them time. And now that time is up because it's the same level of urgency. So why not give us a flea flicker? Why not have a double pass? Why not a double reverse? Like you need to shake up this defense and show them something new. And as far as the offense they've run today, I look and it's it's been pretty basic, which is fine. A lot of the similar two-man route combinations, you know, the run schemes, um, RPOs are not anything drastically downfield. That needs to change. So whether it is the trick plays that I just rattled off or it's just a different version or flavor of the RPO game that you've shown to date, they need to show them something new. In the same way, you should always show a Belichick defense something new. The other part about this is I'm with you with the play action. Like I, I would lean into a much higher pass rate at the expense of reminder of Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, because those guys are just not creating arts. And I asked around about this this week and there are guys very close to that offense to go. I don't know what's up with him, but he's not the same guy. So don't worry about running the ball, fake it as long as you can and have them right. believe it because that's going to open up the second level where you can sneak in some of those crossers. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is again, repeating myself, pop Douglas, Needs to play more than 18 snaps. Okay. Can we can we talk about Pop Douglas real quick though? Yes, please. I think the reluctance has been that he doesn't always know where he's supposed to go. And so maybe, and they've done this in the past with guys 
and and just think of like in season acquisitions when you brought in Josh Gordon, it was like, Josh, here's this set of plays. You don't need to learn the whole thing. You just need to learn this. And I just wonder if they might be better off, even though Pop's been here since April, right? Better off just slimming it down for him, giving him a few less options, and just saying, "This is these are your plays. Learn them, live them, love them." And you know, maybe as the season goes on, we can expand. I, I just I feel as though there have been times where I'm where I'm watching as the things develop, and I'm going. I don't think that that's what he's supposed to be doing, or I don't think he's exactly where he needs to be. And when your offense is scuffling and you're trying to create things, sometimes that, that, that precision matters uh, maybe even more than normal because again, you're scuffling. Right. Um, I asked him too about the 42 yard catch he had against Dallas, which, which began with him running into Devontae Parker. And he yes. was like, he just kind of shoved me. He was like, I was trying to go under, I was like, was that something that was different? And he just repeated, no, I part DP just like got me. I was like, okay. Uh, but I, I'm tried. on the record. I'm on the record saying you just have to live with the growing pains. Like this is where Bill building the roster in this way just says you need it because he's your most explosive player. And I, I won't go any further there. I do want to end on two things. One of which really quickly, you mentioned Riley Reef. He might be back. He was back at practice this week, as was um, Cody Davis, Trey Flowers. I'm sorry. I just don't expect Cody Davis or Trey Flowers to have any material impact on this game as much as I would love to see Trey Flowers younger than Matthew Judon, lest you forget, come and help replace Matthew Judon. We'll get to the defense in a second. Reef has been playing a lot of guard. Again, I, I, it's, it's just hard to expect any appreciable improvement because Riley Reef, a guy who is signed to be your starting right tackle, according yeah. to the Athletics' Jeff Howe, and then three practices in the camp, is at left tackle and then comes back and is playing right guard in your last preseason game can, can move out there. So let's end on Mac. Say what you will about Dallas. It's, it's behind us. It was disastrous. He melted under pressure. He didn't have receivers open. The offensive line was garbage. How does he respond? Let's say in the second quarter when things start to inevitably go wrong, whether it's just a missed protection or the wrong route, because these are things that happen every game. But what we saw against Dallas was not a reaction we had seen from him yet. Does he repeat that or does he keep his cool in a way that we saw most of the first three weeks? Well, I would say if he does repeat it, then the hook needs to happen and it needs to happen quickly. And, I, and I'm not wow. someone who, again. Well, and I'm not someone who believes that Bailey Zappi is better than I, I don't believe that. But I what we saw against the Cowboys was unlike anything we've seen from him on a football field in his 35, 36 starts that he's made here. And I think we can say all we want about it. I think internally that surprised some people how quickly it turned and how bad it went. And I, so I think now what we, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. I, I think it changed to some degree, how some people in the building look at him. And now I think it's only heightened sort of the, the pressure on him, the eyeballs on him to like this, you got to get it right. And you got to get it right fast. You got to show us that that was just a one-time thing that you looked at the film going into that game and thought to yourself, there's no way in hell we're going to be able to block these guys. And I know my guys aren't going to get open. And then you started to press and it just went, it went sideways. And it, it every, every once in a while it happens for a quarterback. 
although generally not in year three. Um, but okay, get over it and play a clean, smart, safe-ish, safe-ish football game. Um, but so that's kind of where I, I, I look at it. Like, I think he lost some trust. And it's not the it's not the, all the off field stuff that we talked about last year with the the coaching staff and calling Sabin or whoever else he talked to and and you know clearly being unhappy with the the two guys that were in charge of him last year like this is a little different and he's got to he's got to respond he just absolutely I think it's spoiler alert I think you and I were talking about this I think it's the biggest game of his career and again as we talk about it must win and that's crazy to talk about this early in the season. I think it's the biggest game of his career because I think he plays poorly. Uh, he plays poorly and they lose. Then, again, back to the, the Foxborough is burning thing. I think he's already lost or has people teetering in the building. And then we know how the fan base is very fickle and how they supported Zappy last year. And now you're already starting to get that, that bubbling up. And it's now nationally people are looking at him going, he's not the guy. Like there's there's a lot on him right now. Whew. I I feel like there's a lot on me. There's so much to unpack there, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Is man, I, here's where I want to start. Yeah. Mac in training camp said trust was the operative word, the theme of training camp, and trust was something that broke down. I remember writing in November, going, "Here's the one problem." After they beat the Colts and absolutely stunk it up. And I said, there's no trust play calling to quarterback, quarterback to offensive line uh, receivers within the system. It was all there. It's not sexy, but that's what it was. And they seem to rebuild that in a way. And I thought the material um, consequence or byproduct of that, where you could see this is the trust. It's not listening in press conferences. It's not, you know, asking a question and Max saying yes. It's the way he stood up under pressure, which year to year, people in analytics will tell you it's not a sticky number. But I said, this is meaningful because of how bad he was last year. And he's been really good yep. three weeks. Obviously wasn't in the fourth. Trust, though, from the front office or people internally in the locker room matters more than anything I just talked about. And I'm a little surprised just because, again, as bad as Sunday was, we had seen a little bit of that in 2022. And it is year three. So you're saying the game was that bad that there was a shift in opinion on him, at least for some people in that building. Well, and there are even people in the, and they're smart. Like they know it wasn't just solely about him. I mean, yeah. when you literally can't block when you're the right side of your offensive line, Lowe was the worst. Mike and when it wasn't too far behind like this, and that, you know, that surprises them too. So, okay, there, there's part of it, but, but how quickly it unraveled um, bothered them. I think they would have liked to have seen him stay in there a little bit longer and be a little bit, for lack of a better word, because I think he is tough, but I, I may be mentally tougher in that moment. Uh, I, I think definitely sort of has people a little bit on edge about they don't want to be, they, they do not want to be in the business of having to find another quarterback. However, if this game goes bad, I think they almost have no choice but to find themselves another quarterback. That's obviously not going to happen this year. You don't have any real ability to, go find a franchise quarterback in, in week five. But, you know, I think that sort of changes maybe the, the overall thought process about, you know, what the off season looks like and what they have to do in the off season. Damn. Why, why do I feel like I'm at a wake? This is, this is so bad. Well, and look, but I, I, I mean that, so, so the, the flip side is let's, okay. So let's go back to, 
say he even plays like he did in weeks one, two, and the first half of week three. Yeah. It still wasn't good enough. Like there were signs of improvement. We felt better about it. You felt like it was trending in the right direction. And again, there's so many different factors that go into it. Wide receivers, offensive line. Well, let's stay there though, because that's really important. It wasn't good enough for this current iteration of the Patriots offense. And that's the reality he lives in. That's the reality we live in. That really, to a degree, is only what matters. But when you isolate as best we can, and I'm not a huge fan of PFF grades, okay? But that, that's, what, right. that's what they're designed to do. And I, I didn't really disagree with them when those grades were well above average. You know, let's just say good. That's what I saw from him in those games that you outlined, the first two and a half games of the season. There was a boneheaded interception against the Dolphins. There was a bad pick that went for a pick six against the Eagles. But they got back into that game because of his play under pressure, because he was trying to get things to work and sustain everything that was around him. And not being good enough in this scenario, all that means is kind of what we knew about him to begin with. He could be a decent quarterback, but he's not going to be one to elevate your offense, extending right. plays or having the arm talent to fit in a throw that very few quarterbacks have. And so when he's in a situation where you need to do that, but he's a guy who can't, that's as damning as it is on the coaching staff in the front office as it is him. So I, I just I just wanted to distinguish. It wasn't good enough. And yes, they lost those games. That's what it is. But it wasn't. It would have been good enough maybe in just an average situation. And that that to me means he deserves a little more credit than we're giving him just the way we put that. Yeah. And I felt like you and I were in the same camp through the first three weeks of how we sort of viewed his play. And it was a more of a return to what we saw as a rookie when you thought to yourself, okay, if I'm projecting this out a few years from now, like, is he the 12th best quarterback in the league? And can you win with that? I think we believe that you can win with that. But again, that performance had some people step back and go, oh, wait a minute. And I guess when some people that I trust go, oh, wait a minute, then yeah. I do the same I do the same thing. So I just think there's a lot of eyeballs on on how he responds. And again, like I said, I don't think there's a there can't be a drastic change here. I no. think the, the probably the smart thing to do unless unless he continues to repeat what he was against the Cowboys is to just keep rolling him out there for the rest of the season and hope you get your final answer. Like, this is a guy we want to pick up the fifth-year option. This is a guy that we can't move on with, and let's address that, you know, right away so we're not continuing to be in this, like, wait-and-see sort of moment with the quarterback. So, I don't know. It's it Again, it's stark for me to be in week five and to be saying that and being sort of given that vibe. But that's that's where we are. That's the 2023-2024 Patriots. Okay, well, let's run to the light of the 2023 <laughs> Patriots, and that is the defense. Um, yes. one, one, one final note on Mac, though, for me, is just I, I think he'll be better, partly because you can't get worse. I think there's a strong argument, as our friend Tommy Curran put it, that Sunday could have been a perfect storm. Those things just don't repeat themselves. It doesn't mean this won't be a rock fight. I said to Tom, this will be David versus David, slingshots and stones going back and forth throughout this yeah. entire game. And the thing is, in that kind of game, like we saw against the Jets, if you screw up less, you will win. And part of that's really concerning. Belichick gave voice to that. Hey, if we don't turn the ball over, hey, if we don't give up any sacks, we should win. Like, okay, you should aim higher as an offense. You should be able to overcome yeah, a sack or a turnover. They can't. But the bottom line is you don't have to against the Saints. Just screw up less than they do. I think Mack will respond better under pressure. I think if he's patient and he plays a clean game, they should win.
Do I know if that's going to happen? Wait until the end when we make our game picks. Okay. When the Saints have the ball, I already said this, they are 22nd on offense by DVOA. Patriots are eighth on defense, finally coming up the rankings after, you know, even after giving up to, you know, 23 points to Dallas uh, defensively. But Derek Carr played through a sprained AC joint last week. The Saints averaged in their 26-9 loss to Tampa Bay 3.4 yards per dropback pass attempt. Um, yeah, not, not great. So, again, if you feel bad about Mac Jones, if you feel like you were just standing there with us at Awake looking at the open casket of the Patriots quarterback play, next door is Derek Carr still moving a little bit. The old Monty Python, I'm not dead yet, uh, <laughs> at least for the next few weeks because it was it was bad and you know you give a lot of credit to a guy playing through that pain and willing to do that and he's a tough guy he's a good guy uh but wasn't a good quarterback against the buccaneers hence the nine points okay alvin kamara came back three game suspension to start the season the saints uh did not ease him back in he played over 70 percent of the snaps 24 touches 84 yards 13 targets i think he finished chris alave receivers their leading receivers you would expect for a high first round pick uh Leads, I think it's 23 catches, 306 yards. And then Michael Thomas is hanging around, and he's second in both of those categories. I think at this stage of his career, more of a possession guy, but still a threat against a smaller Patriots cornerback group. So I ask you this. All of those numbers, those players sound great, but when the guy pulling the trigger, you know, is that a gunpowder or a tiny bit or it's a water gun? Like, Mm -hmm. Do you even have to back up that far to defend against Chris Olave in a deep shot? Or can you play downhill in a way that we've seen teams defend the Patriots? I, I, yeah. So I think you, I think you play that way. I think you attack. I don't, I think you don't worry about it. That said, Olave did get behind the Bucks defense. Carr actually did uncork a pretty good throw. And I think it was Winfield might have at the last minute ball hung up just a little bit, but I mean, we're talking 55 yards down the field um, managed to get his hand in there. So they, they'll still do it just probably not as much as they would have prior to the, the shoulder injury, depending on how, of course, you know, he feels going into Sunday. Um, but I would, yeah, I would totally, I, I would dare him. I would dare him to do it uh, and, and feel pretty good about your, your chances that, He's not going to be able to beat you that way over and over again. So that that's that's certainly, I think, a, a smart approach. And look, they were. I, I give them credit. The last two weeks, I think they've they've let the dogs loose a little bit more. I think they're playing a little bit with a little bit more aggressiveness and wasn't obviously not perfect. They couldn't really get to Prescott with it, but but they tried. And I I I think they could do a similar thing against Carr. And I think we've seen, I think we've seen Carr melt against, you know too much heat as well so yeah that's something i'd be that's something i'd be looking to do so i watched some Derek carr tape against the patriots the last couple of years and uh they had a game in 2020 here you know check down charlie act with john gruden as his head coach a little different with josh mcdaniels but the patriots knew how they could affect him and did and you mentioned the blitz rate against dallas i think it finished around 38 percent just didn't get home enough and i think that might be uh, i don't want to say a bellwether but a battleground where the patriots need to win because, I mean, generally when you blitz, you need to get home. Otherwise, you're in trouble. But if they're blitzing, that to me tells me they don't feel great about their standard four-man rush without Matthew Judon. And obviously, you're worse without Matthew Judon. But that four-man rush could still consist of Christian Barmore and Josh Uche and Dietrich Wise and throw in Keon White or, you know, pick your blitzing Jawan Bentley or Jelani Tavai, at least in kind of a simulated pressure. And I think they're going to need to find out early 
how well that four man rush can hold up against the saints offensive line. That is a little banged up uh, and hasn't played to its you know standard because this is a solid offense. Like, again, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And the weapons that you need to affect, I think you best defend them by just getting to Carr quickly because of his history against pressure and the way he really plays against the Patriots, which is just to take the, che- the safe check down. And that's not sustainable for them. Unless of course it gets to Alvin Kamara uh, from what you saw of Kamara last weekend, how worried are you about the Patriots as far as how they can defend him? You know, I thought he moved pretty well. Now like the numbers, 13 catches, 33 yards, they were throwing it sideways and they were on it quickly. So, you know, there are a lot of times where he wasn't even allowed to do anything, but I did think he held up well. I thought he moved pretty well. And I think that's a concern, you know, get him in space. You're, you're tackling, especially early against Dallas was bad um, and led to points. So, you know, don't do the same thing, wrap up or, or at least hang on and let the cavalry get there. Uh, They didn't do a good job of that. And it led to some big plays for the Cowboys. They can't, you know, they, they certainly, I mean, this, to me, there's almost nothing worse than throwing the ball sideways and then somebody missing a tackle and what should be a three to five yard gain at best ends up as a 25 yard gain, a 20 yard gain. Like that's man, really like they, they threw it sideways. That's not how it's supposed to go, but that's what we're <laughs> allowing. So, so, so don't just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kamara is interesting too, because again, he, he like Carr is going to be highly dependent on the offensive line and the Patriots win up front. I think the rest of it just falls down. Like we have a domino effect with the saints offense hasn't scored more than 20 points a season. That's just how it goes. And the saints, the way they ran him last week was a lot of zone runs, which the Patriots have defended pretty well, even going back to Miami game with one or two exceptions. And I think schematically, like they're very comfortable defending that outside zone scheme. The issue will be, and you hit on it, is tackling. They missed 12 tackles against Dallas, and that's something you can't do against Kamara, Olave, and even Michael Thomas to a degree, even though he's not the run-after catch threat that he was. So I think really if you if you keep them in front, like I don't know, I have a cycle of cliches going through my head, and they all suck because that's what cliches do. They suck. But it's true. You know, yes. you keep them in front. You make them earn these yards in a way that Derek Carr, someone's going to break down. You should win. If you tackle well, if you tighten up your tackling, there's not enough here to overwhelm you as a defense, you know, provided JC Jackson isn't just the absolute worst version of the worst version we saw in Los Angeles. Is that too simplistic? No, I don't think it is. I, because there's, again, if, if Carr is still impacted by the shoulder, and I would expect that he is still impacted by the shoulder, you're going to see, yeah, he'll take a shot or two, but you're going to see mostly the ball thrown quick, short, and sideways. So rally to the ball, make those tackles. There's going to be some one-on-one instances where, you know, it's Miles Bryant trying to tackle or Mapu is trying to tackle Kamara. Well, you got to get him to the ground, get him to the ground early. Don't allow them those run the yards after catch. And I think you do, you end up in a, you know, what could be a punt fest, but that's, that's what you're looking to do. One uh, player we did talk about is Taysom Hill. I uh, look, I, I'm not pouring over Taysom Hill tape find out how they're using him what he's done i think he's incredibly overrated it's a fun gadget player but peak better in theory than he is in practice the numbers for him 20 carries 101 yards uh good for over five yards a carry and he's caught zero passes so or excuse me he's caught three passes for 15 yards and those are like second running back kind of numbers and they have a good second running back in jamal williams and tony jones has been in there uh, we're not missing anything when we kind of gloss over those guys well, the only thing I'll say about Hill is 
he was pretty much the guy who shoved the ball down your throat in the last meeting to ice the game. That's a good point. Um, so I'm sure they'll look back at that and say, well, they might, we might give them a little run and see how they handle that again, you know? Um, but by and large, yeah, like he's, he's certainly not a threat to throw. I mean, they can, but they don't ask him to really. Uh, it's, it's a lot of two passes this year. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's a lot of literally it's a shotgun snap and, he picks the gap and goes, you know, um, but he, he does run physical. I'll give him that. He's, he's a tough dude. Um, it'll just be, you know, do they, you, you mentioned the Patriots do, do they do the saints look at their offense and say, okay, maybe it's time to do something here. Funky with, with Taysom. Maybe it's time for Taysom to, to, to try to throw one fifty yards down the field, just to keep the defense, you know, honest. And maybe we, we sneak one past them. I, I don't know, but that's, that's what he is. I'll be honest. I hated that idea when you started with it, but I kind of like it at the end because <laughs> I think this is something you do in the first quarter, right? Like I, I think about defensively for the Patriots in the opener. Steve Belichick is throwing the blitz sink at uh, Brian Johnson, first year play caller for the Eagles, first year offense coordinator. And that forced them to respond in a way. And the Eagles still got to a 16, nothing lead. But when you do that, is something that's probably unexpected. You understand what their counter is going to be, and this is where you try to stay a step ahead, and largely they did for the rest of that game, credit to Steve Belichick. If you're the Saints going, okay, they want to play downhill. They understand what Carr's situation is. If we throw a couple deep balls early, they'll have to back off in the second, maybe early third quarter. That's when we can free up some space. So actually, I like that idea. All right, let's get to the 3-2-1 breakdown and get out of here. Three keys, two matchups, uh, one wild card. I'll just lead off with my key, and then you can give us two. Mac has to be better under pressure. The pressure is going to come. He needs to stand in, and it's as simple as that. I, I hope next week I can go an episode or a, an article without mentioning it, but I just think, given the construction of the offense, that's what they're asking him to do, is to just, just play um, with a guy in his face or chasing him from behind, and I don't expect that to change. So he should have a little more time to breathe, considering he's not facing one of the best defensive lines in the entire NFL, which he basically has the last four weeks. And uh, he's he's just got to hold up when the Saints get through. Yeah, I'll, I'll sort of piggyback off that. And it's, I think it's your offensive line and pass protection. Just dreadful uh, and, and really has struggled pretty much all year long. I think Trent Brown has been pretty good at left tackle. I think David's been pretty good at center. But I think you've been subpar at all the other spots. Depend, and it doesn't matter who you put in there. They've all been subpar. So th there's got to be more cohesion. And it's unfair. And I've tried to resist this to this point, but I think if they don't, if they can't protect again, then I got to start to wonder about the Adrian Clem hire and what's actually going on there. And I understand like, Hey, they didn't have them all summer long and okay, well you got some guys back and it still didn't look better. And that's maybe as bad as I've seen Mike and one who look like it's it, totally fair. Yeah. We're a month removed from him being back on the field. Like, is that still rust you're kicking off? I, I don't, you know, didn't look like that the week before. So uh, that that has to be cleaned up because again, if you're going to have a chance um, going forward, never mind just in this one, but going forward to be competitive as an offensive group, that they can't be playing like one of the worst offensive lines in football, which is exactly what they've been. And my my other thing would be, circle it back to the wide receivers. Doesn't matter what metric you look at, what whatever thing you believe in, they're dead last in all of them in terms of wide receiver separation dead last and we can talk about scheming it up and there's a play that 
I highlighted in my breakdown of the game against the Cowboys. Greg Olson brought it up during the game where they've got the trips. It's on the Juju Smith, the interception on the ball to Juju Smith. That's supposed to be a rub route and nobody rubs anybody. There's no, there's no friction. There's not, they, everybody was able to keep their eyes on the right place. Uh, and then Juju rounds out his route. Like, dude, you didn't, didn't you realize that there was no separation and there was no rub. And then now you got to actually try to create some on your own. Um, but that's, that's where they're living. That's where they've been living for four weeks. And we can talk about scheming it up and well, picks and all this stuff. But like, that was a play where there was supposed to be a rub. And I don't know who didn't do it, but somebody didn't do it. And then you end up with interception. So they are, um, they're awful in that regard. And this secondary, like you said, they're going to play a lot of man. Uh, you've done terribly against man. And I don't know how that changes this week. So that could, again, it could be ugly. So you're saying they stink. <laughs> no, you said that. <laughs> I didn't use those words. Two matchups. Um, I have, <laughs> as you hinted at off the top, Dennis Allen versus Bill O'Brien is the big thing I'm looking for. Again, I, I wrote it against the Jets. Um, he needed to come out and have a good game plan and be able to scheme something close to a touchdown and did Farrell Brown, 58 yards down the right seam. That still happened. It's the reason they're pretty much one in three right now. He only scored 13 points offensively. Not good enough. You need to be better than that against the saints. And Dennis Allen, again, bad head coach, really good defensive coach. And that's year after year after year, sound fundamentally turning the ball over a lot of different schemes. Um, they're versatile and Bill O'Brien needs to help them get off the fast start. So how he handles that, Again, throw another cliche out there. Chess match versus him. Who can dictate terms first? Because you cannot start punt, 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 block, punt, interception, field goal, like McDaniels did um, two years ago against Dennis Allen. And a lot of moving parts since then, John Smith bomb, Mac Jones third start. I get that. But the coaching needs to be flat out better because that that opening script is probably going to lose you this game. Yeah, I can't can't dispute a single solitary word you said. I'm curious, by the way, if – if, as I look at um, from matchup standpoint, uh, and no one's treated them this way thus far, but if the Saints do anything with Lattimore, if the Saints show you something with Lat, like if they just say, all right, well, look, we looked at all these receivers, none of them are very good. However, in this situation, we need to move Lattimore here. This is something we're going to do. I got I, I kind of every week I, I'm, I continue to look for these things just to see how other teams are treating you, or is he just going to play sides and say, we don't, we're not worried about anything you're going to throw at us from a, from an offensive standpoint with those guys on the outside. Uh, we have breaking news. I don't know if you've seen this and just kept quiet. Cause you're a pros pro. Are you doing phone down? No, no phone is up, but I didn't see anything. What do you got? The bears have traded chase Claypool to the Miami dolphins. And if chase Claypool wasn't so obviously loafing through every single freaking game of the season where the Owen four bears just said, Hey, chase, stay home, stick this yeah. one out, stick the next one out, and don't come to Thursday night when they partied against uh, the Commanders. Credit to them. I wouldn't care that much. I would care. I don't. Because Tyree Kill and Jalen Wild are still obviously your top priorities for the Patriots. But the Patriots see Miami here coming up in a couple of weeks. The one thing that I think about now, and I don't know what his health is, so maybe I'll look this up once you respond, is Cedric Wilson Jr., Big slot guy started in Dallas. They signed is disappointed since might even been a healthy scratch. Is this like Devontae Parker 2.0 for the Patriots? They go, Hey, we could use a receiver. We'll take Miami's leftovers and it'll be pretty cheap because most of his guarantees are gone. Am I overthinking that? Does this matter? 
Um, I don't think you're, I think when it comes to that, I don't think we're overthinking anything. Now they've had some injuries, right? So uh, not that River Craycraft is any sort of anybody's version of a, but he he's hurt. He's on IR. I, I it's a it's an interesting chess piece, if you will, for them if they can get his head in the game because he is a bigger physical type, which they don't really have on that roster. Well, they have um, Juju. Oh, you're talking about Miami? With yeah, Juju. I'm talking about Miami. Okay. All right, because, yeah, Wilson's a big dude. He has his first catch of the season when they lost the Buffaloes for 16 yards. Mm. They paid him good money, too. And they reworked his contract so he could, quote, stay, which sounds like he took a pay cut. Uh, right. But in the euphemisms of, you you know, uh, NFL reporting, you know, oh, so he could stay with the team, which would mean we're going to cut your ass unless you <laughs> yeah. do less. Do you, do you want to remain in Miami and probably still make more money than you'd make on the open market? Then yeah. take this take this reworking. Yeah. That's that's. It's an interesting move for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I gave my matchup. Did you give us your, your matchup as we go three, two, one here? Um, I think I did. Yeah. Did I? Okay. I don't know. I don't have anything else written down. What have I done to us? Okay. We're moving on. <laughs> wild, wild card. Something we haven't covered yet. This could be a prop bet. It could be a fun fact. It could be off the field. Whatever is on your mind. Just how much I enjoyed Jabril Peppers. Hmm. I like this period. Like that dude is so unique. You know, we, we touched on this a couple weeks ago with him. Like he's someone who should have played 15 years ago. Like he yeah. would have been in that, uh, the Rodney Harrison, Palomalu well, Lynch is probably a little bit before that, but like just absolute, I watch him now. And I think to myself, sometimes he has to fight all instinct, just not to, to, to behead somebody. He just plays with that edge and aggression. And it's to his credit that he's been able to um, still play with great physicality, but not take some liberties that you're not allowed to take anymore in the league, which you were allowed to take 15 years ago. But I just find him to be, uh, he's a pretty fun guy to listen to. I think he's got a good, pretty good pulse on the team. I think, you know, Judon, before he went down, when we were talking to him, I, you know, I asked him about Peppers and he just said, like, Pep's one of those guys that will, you know, he'll cuss at you if you're not doing it the way he wants you to do it. We're supposed to be doing it. And, you know, when we looked at the leadership void of no McCordy, I think Peppers has done a, you know, he's done a really nice job of sort of stepping in. I think he's been playing at a pretty high level, you know, he, the touchdown pass to, to uh, CD lamb with miles Bryant. Uh, there was another seam route. So he, he didn't get over in time. So, uh, you know, the coverage, sometimes isn't perfect but i think he's playing at a pretty good level and i think he's been a, he's been a nice find a nice reclamation project for them like i don't think a lot of people in the league viewed him as the way the patriots are playing him now and he's and he's playing pretty well he's playing really well i'll say this too he's basically relegated adrian phillips to the bench and that yep. was a guy that was counted on as a centerpiece of their safety rotation to a degree their defense and peppers has just made him almost obsolete because he's more athletic um, but he has gotten himself under control. And that was his real talent or his challenge was yep. to harness the talent that he wanted to apply at full force and not understanding like a quarterback who rifles throws in the flat, not understanding you got to put a little touch on it. He's got more nuance to his game. And what he's also done is not only stepped up from a leadership standpoint, he's at the podium a lot, which you can say who the F cares who talks to the media. The team puts players out there that will put out the message they want. So they trust him top down 
guys in the locker room, the coaching staff, the front office to a degree, the way they rewarded him with a two-year contract this year. I'm really happy because he he's a guy who's deserved it, came back from a lot with that ACL tear, disappointing first-round pick. The guy's first season was 0-16 in yeah. Cleveland, and he's still standing and thriving and has come a long, long way from personal growth. So I, I co-signed. I had a different one. It's going to be the crowd reaction. I'll just say at halftime, I'm very curious about fan reaction. But I'm more excited than I am curious and excited to see Jabril Peppers uh, continue to play because he's been great, and I'm really glad you brought brought him up. Okay, game pick. What do you got? So my first inclination was nine to six. Um, but I'm going to wish it. I'm going to wish it to be a little bit more high scoring than that. So I have Patriots 19, Saints 13. It's still going to be a game you're going to want to stick a fork in your eye. I think at various points you're going to beat your head against the whatever the coffee table, the the uh, the the desk that we have there as we sit in the press box. But I think um, they're as equally as offensively challenged as you are, and their quarterback is hurt. I just think you're going to affect them a little bit. I think you'll have a sl- somewhat of a I don't even want to say a bounce back. I just don't think it, I just don't see it being as disastrous as it was last week with Mac. I think we get a little bit more consistency out of his play, and I think that's going to be enough to to sneak by as a as a home dog. They're a dog, dog right? now. Yeah, they're yeah yeah plus one. Wow. Which oh by the way that's I don't think that's great, right? I think Mac. I think if you're into that thing, I think he was the 0 and 12, 0 and 13 as a dog. No, he's he's won twice, but both of them were his rookie year, the Chargers game where he didn't throw a touchdown, and it was his second worst start to that point. But they win anyway, Adrian Phillips pick six. Uh, and they drove down for field goal, so he played a part in that. And then it was a windstorm game against Buffalo. So you've not won as an underdog since then, and it was two and twelve, now two and fourteen or two and fifteen um in his career. That's interesting, though, because they started as one-and-a-half-point favorites at home, and obviously the game is still at home. I saw it was even this morning, so now if it's plus one, that is a two-and-a-half-point swing, rarely seen anywhere in Vegas, which is really just a reflection of where the money is going. That says the public doesn't believe in the Patriots. But damn it, fade the public, <laughs> back Mike Giardi, back myself, because I see Patriots 13, Saints 12. I think oh. this is another... Hail Mary. And I don't know if Jameis Winston is throwing it. I don't know if yeah. Derek Carr is throwing it. Taysom Hill might be chucking this mother bleeper. But the Patriots are going to win. And if they don't, God help us all, Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, because this season is, is just going to sprout a lot more. What are we writing out if it's 13 to 12? Well, that's, again, I have a wedding, so this is, this is <laughs> you problem. I'll be back to watch the Vegas game from, from home. Doug is going to cover that for us at the Herald. I have a Saturday wedding and I can't make it enough about my weddings, but um, I'll be watching and, and maybe we'll be texting, but we'll, I, we'll I, I wanted to last week and I just did it on Twitter, but I, I just wanted, I wanted to ask my boss, Greg Bedard. I wanted to say, Hey, for my column post game, can we just use the meme of everything? It's fine. <laughs> everything is fine. That's what that I, wanted. I wanted. Yeah, someone sent me this during the um, during the pandemic, and it's it it reflects a, a lot of how I feel about a lot of different things. So, oh, now I'm knocking stuff over. But yeah, that. Um, so you were just holding the meme. There was like a little bobblehead dog for the folks who are listening audio yes. only. Uh, oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I kind of just wanted to be like well, that should really cover it, right? If I just if I just put the meme with a headline on it, we we should be good to go. But. That's incredible. Um, 
man. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. But hey, we both picked the Patriots. No one can say that we aren't hoping that they win because frankly, our life is a little bit more pleasant. Do not revel in any of the fire bill talk. Neither of us have said that. We both believe Mac will be better than he was on Sunday. Um, but man, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be real ugly. All right, Mike Giardi, thank you very much. And uh, we will have you back on again. And we will have a similar breakdown hopefully with happier results and just, just props to Jabril Peppers. That was a really nice note. Dad. Yeah. You know what? See, people always want to say we're negative. No, what I think the good people that cover this team, we just tell you what it is. Like we're, we're trying to tell you what it is, but sometimes we try like, our best, right? Yeah, we're not like, always hey, right. Like for, for, for my film breakdown, I could have just done a million different horrible things that happened in the Cowboys game. And I'm certainly, I did a fair amount of that, but I also highlighted Dietrich wise because I thought his effort through four quarters even in the second half when it was th- whatever it was, 31 to three, like I thought his effort was commendable. I thought his play was really good, even though, again, they, they lost 38 to three. And I was like, you know what? Guy doesn't get a lot of headlines. He's never going to be this game-breaking type player. But he played a good game, played, played one of his better games of the year, maybe his best game of the year. Here, here's some plays. I'll show you. You know, like effort, you know, just working in conjunction with the defensive line to make some stuff happen. So we try. You know, it's not all, it's not all negative. It's not all what? Sometimes, sometimes they make it that way. Say it. It's not all what? (laughs) I I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Maybe stink, stank, stunk. Or was it stink, stunk, stank? No, it's not. Yeah, no, that's what the other guy did. Hey, we got you to say it though. Okay. Mike Giardi, he's the best. We'll continue to be the best. We'll have you back. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, good luck on Sunday. Yeah, have uh, have fun at the wedding. <laughs>